Welcome to the My Essential Birth Podcast. I'm Courtney. And I'm Stephanie. And we're professional doulas, childbirth educators, and the creators of My Essential Birth, the holistic, empowering online childbirth education course helping mothers everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. So join us each week as we share tips and advice for all things pregnancy, birth, and beyond. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you can be the first to get new content. And head over to www.myessentialbirth.com for more information about our birth course and to join a community of mamas just like you. We want to give a shout out to our reviewer of the week, Cool Girl. And there's like a million exclamation points, which only attests to how cool she actually is, right? <laughs> she says, I love these ladies. I found this podcast going through my second pregnancy. I got pregnant when my first was only six months old. Crazy, I know. But these gals have been so encouraging and have helped me to keep my sanity these last few weeks of pregnancy. I adore these gals. I love that she says that. <laughs> and the conversation always makes me feel like we're in the same room discussing birth. The tips are also super helpful and they're always good at showing both sides of an issue. Whether you're planning on going natural or you're unsure about what labor is going to look like for you, their information is helpful and educational. That's what we want. That's the goal. Big thank you. I think that's just like you said, that's the goal. We want you guys to feel like you're sitting at the table with us and just chatting about birth and you can ask us all the questions and you're getting real advice. So thank you for that review. We love it. Okay. I took a poll. Maybe some of you guys saw this recently, right? And we were asking you guys, this is kind of a fun question. Does a full moon actually cause labor? Does it induce labor? And I pulled you guys, I said, did you go into labor on a full moon? And the responses that came back were 81% of you said, nope. And the other 19% said, yep, definitely I did. So I want to get into this today. I know Courtney and I are super excited to chat with you guys about this. This is such a fun topic. Does it really cause, uh, does it really cause labor? So let's get into it. Well, I feel like it's sort of an old wives tale, right? You hear this all the time. Oh, it's a full moon. You could be having your baby today. I was really surprised by just the poll we did on Instagram. So I'm, I'm excited to talk about this. Yeah. Um, I think first let's get into like the concept behind this theory, because, um, it's kind of fun if you think about it, this is like something that's been going on for a long time, right? We talk about this, like that gravitational pull, or we know that women's cycles or fertility is supposed to follow the moon cycle. Um, and there's some interesting stuff that we'll get to at the end here. But when we think about it, yes, gravitational pull, right, from the moon, it affects the tides, it affects the waves. And so since baby's in a bag of waters, the idea is that it'll pull all waters towards it, right, and can actually create uh, labor contractions or cause the bag of waters to burst. And so, which is kind of funny if you think of like, when we talk about how often does your bag of waters actually burst and start labor versus not. Very rarely. Yes, very rarely. Um, but can it affect mom's water? So I don't know. Yeah, maybe go into that next part, like ancient myths, right? Yeah. So there's this belief, believing that the cycle of the moon affects fertility as well as the time of labor. Um, I've always grown up hearing this too. I just kind of thought this was I don't know. It, it, the line starts to blur a little bit between myth and fact, right. I guess. <laughs> and you're right. This has been around anciently, but it's still believed today. I mean, 
I held on to this belief until I read the research <laughs> you did. Um, and we hear it a lot as doulas too, like, oh, you know, how many clients do you have around a full moon? And they're probably going to go into labor then. Or you'll hear midwives post and say, we had so many babies born, right. probably the full moon. So I just kind of thought it was a real yeah, thing. Yeah. And so the, I think that's why it's so important. Like, let's jump in. It made me curious too. Is this a real thing? Um, and we know like women, for example, like, they can't, you can't fly after 36 weeks. And I think people are like, oh, because of the air pressure and like your water is going to break. And so, but like, is that true? So uh, they're not so worried about the popping or breaking of the bag of waters. So they're actually concerned with more of like preterm labor mid-flight, mm. which can be common, especially 36 weeks and beyond. Um, well, things- yeah, if you're like, midway over the Atlantic and <laughs> you start to go into preterm labor or something like that, there's not a lot of resources at their disposal. I think that's yeah. probably the bigger concern, right? Right. And yeah. well, and especially like, I think international is actually 34 weeks for that oh, reason. Interesting. Yeah. However, I will say like for the babies that like the moms that do go into labor and give birth on planes, like isn't it another testament to the amazing like way that the body and babies work because the majority of them are just fine. And so um, maybe she didn't plan on giving birth at home, but (laughs) that's as close (laughs) as you're going to get right with an audience. Um, The other thing that they're concerned about is the DVT or deep vein thrombosis. So Mm. pressure and, and not being able to move around the cabin, right? So if you are stuck in a seated position, for a decent amount of time and you can't get up and walk around, they're actually concerned with that as well. And side note, sometimes your doctor will even talk to you about being careful not to take too long of a car ride. Like, oh, we're going to, oh, yeah. we're going to drive 12 hours to California or whatever. Um, and the reason they're concerned is kind of the same concept. If you're not getting up and you're not circulating that blood, you're more prone to clots. And so um, that's a good rule of thumb. If you're going to take a long car trip, it's probably fine. Just make sure um, every so often you're getting up to stretch and walk around and things like that. Yeah. All that. Okay. I did actually read something in research for this that said the barometric pressure is more likely to cause you to go into labor. And so basically if there's a thunderstorm or maybe a tornado, maybe that'll cause you to go in labor. Interesting. (laughs) Okay. I don't know how accurate that is. It was kind of just one of those like one-offs where I'm like, oh, that was an interesting thing I just read. Okay. This might be a stupid question, but I've had it ever since we were talking about how they think that lunar cycles affect all water. I'm like, well, what about the pipes in your house? What about the water Mm. in the... I don't know. Okay. All right. <laughs> keep keep I going. I think like the pull exists. It's just how strong is it? I mean, right. I don't know. And does it affect every little thing of water? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I thought the next thing we could talk about are the causes of labor. So there's good ones, right? And there's bad ones. You want to touch on the good sure. ones? So um, the good causes of labor is that your body and your baby are ready to be born. Um, baby kind of sends a signal to mom and she begins to produce that oxytocin that helps the uterus to contract. That's the, the hormone that does that. It's great. <laughs> Um, other things, I love that you put this under good. It's absolutely good. <laughs> good things that can kind of, uh, get labor going would be sex. We've talked about this semen's a natural prostaglandin, meaning it's going to help to soften the cervix and help it to be soft enough to dilate more easily. And then of course you get things like walking and exercise and just letting gravity do its thing. There's a poll that I really do feel like <laughs> helps, right? I was like, where are you going with the word pull? Is this the P-O-L-L or the P-U-L? Okay. Uh, Yes. And I think along with like the intercourse and the walking and the exercise, these are things that you're probably doing anyways, but they're also things that we tell you guys, if you're 
reaching the end, if you're coming up against an induction date, if you're ready to have this baby, if you're overdue or past your due date, overdue, 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 right? Okay. Um, then those are all things that we recommend that you do in order to get things moving. So that's like, yes, these things can cause or, or create contractions, create labor contractions. And I think under that, right, if we're trying to cause, then we can talk about acupressure and essential oils. And there's, there's other things that can stimulate labor, but these are the things that do it on their own. Well, and I like to tell women too, cause they're like, I did all the things I did the curb walking and we, you know, we did all that stuff and nothing seemed to help. And really with, with a lot of this stuff, if your body's just simply not ready, then it's, it might not have no, any kind of bearing the or full effect moon on it. is not near you. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> But I like to tell people, because sometimes they get a little too, well, if, if sex can cause me to go into labor, should I not be having it prior to 37 weeks? I'm like, no, 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 no. That's, yeah. that's not how it works. And for me, I'm like, do I have to do this right now? <laughs> <laughs> I suppose it depends on how you're feeling. If you want to use well, it thinking, as a reason. Oh, well, I'm thinking 37 weeks. I'm like, I feel like a beached whale. I'd prefer we didn't, you know, get too close but to But with a lot of this stuff, the point being that it, it kind of, I like to say it puts things over the edge, right? right. If you're body's already kind of on the verge of doing it some of these things can push it over the edge sure yeah and then there's the not so good ones like maybe traumatic or things that are out of your control and so that would be like a, a massive car accident like these are like the scary you, something you, you don't, don't happen want. yeah something that causes your waters to break that does not have to do with labor that would not have otherwise done that um i think too like if you smoke or you're overweight you're drinking or using drugs we know that those things can cause preterm labor or cause things to happen prior to when it's time Right. And then there's medical things like preeclampsia, which is when your blood pressure starts to spike. We see protein in the urine. That's why they check it. Um, Diabetes, uh, having multiples, things like that can influence you going into labor. And then induction, obviously. (laughs) So uh, because of some of the reasons that we just listed above for the medical reasons and things like that, or possibly impatience on the part of the provider, which, you know, we talk about. Or the part of the mom. That's true. Yeah. Or having people come into town or right. So any of that I think would would fall under that for sure. So then what are the signs that labor is coming? (laughs) Isn't this a topic all on its own? Like, how do I know when it's going to start? This is the number one question, especially for our moms that are moving into that 37, 38. You're getting closer to that due date. And it's just that anxious excitement of like, when do I, when do I know for sure? Like, I'm pretty sure I felt something like, how do I know for sure this is what it is? Well, in our members Facebook group, I feel like we periodically get somebody posting, like, I think I'm starting to lose my mucus plug. Does that, does that mean that baby's coming? Like how soon after that did you go into labor? And, and the truth of the matter, and we address it in the course of course, is that the course of the course, course. of course, the course of course, (laughs) the truth of the matter is that Um, for some women, they lose it hours before they are about to go into labor and give birth. And for some women, myself included, it just sort of slowly comes out over. No, it comes out over days, stretching sometimes over a week. So it's hard to say. See, and mine with my first before contractions began, and I'm so curious to see how soon after I would have gone into labor on my own. But I lost mine at the very beginning with my first, like contractions began. I lost my mucus plug. I got so excited. It was part of the birth story. For the other two, I never saw it. Never, I didn't know it existed. Yeah, so I didn't have any like, oh, I'm losing. Some. It wasn't even there. So it yeah. is interesting how it just doesn't matter. So <laughs> it can, it can be a sign at the very least if you're starting to lose your mucus plug. And when we say mucus plug, you guys, it literally looks like <laughs> you got snot. 
like sometimes when, blood tinged right a little bit blood tinged but you're like did that just come out of where I wiped or my nose I'm confused here right it's literally <laughs> a mucus plug but the point being that if you're starting to lose that at the very least it tells you that your your cervix is starting to soften that's right. why that was able to come out and so it's at it's a sign that your body's soften and open. Yeah. Right. Doing good. Which things. I think is weird in my case, like with my third and I had my baby at home. And by the time the midwife got to me, I was six centimeters. Never saw it. Like, it's just interesting how yeah. it, I could have been, I must've lost it at some point, but dilation right. was happening and there was no, well, and I feel like, so you know, if your water's broken, if there's other fluids <laughs> <laughs> happening there, you may not notice and that's okay. Yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. Things are, things are fun down there. Okay. So signs that labor <laughs> is coming. Um, you can anticipate as you get closer to your due date, right? We talked about that and you just, you know, it's coming because at some point the baby has to make its way outside. So it's just yeah. part of it. Yes. Um, uh, baby dropping down lower. And we see this more, um, with moms, like the first one takes forever to drop down, not normally until labor begins. Right. And then multiple babies, we see it, it happens prior to labor beginning. And when we say drop down lower, we're meaning that they're settling down into the pelvis in preparation for birth. Just just make sure we're all on the same page here. Right. And it's kind of like the the one thing that we hear women say the most, right, is I all of a sudden woke up one morning and I could breathe again, right? Because yeah. baby creeps higher and higher and higher and you get less breath and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I can breathe. Or if you're like me, I'm like, oh, thanks, because now I have... Now I have stretch marks, so that was really appreciated. <laughs> I, I always felt like I could breathe a little easier. I could eat, eat. a little bit more right. in one sitting instead of just being like taking a few bites. Me like I literally can't fit anymore. My stomach is only this small right now. So yeah, yeah. Another way that you can know that labor is imminent is when you have irregular or sporadic contractions as you get closer to your due date. And a lot of women will describe these. Oh, they kind of felt like period cramps right. a little bit, or maybe your back is kind of aching. Or I can't tell if these are Braxton Hicks. Right. You know? These are Braxton Hicks, but they feel a little different than that. That could be signs that your body's warming up. That's yeah. good. Um, something that we see internally, and especially if you are somebody that's talking with your provider and, and deciding to have those vaginal exams, is that your cervix moves forward. It softens, it opens. And so that's why we get on you guys about this Bishop score, right? Like this is a time when you're having your vaginal exams that you actually want to keep track of those things and ask the questions. Because oftentimes they'll say, oh, you're so many centimeters dilated or you're not dilated at all. End of story, right? But there's yeah. a lot more happening inside of there. And so if you have a vaginal exam, they're like, wow, you were totally closed last time, 0% um, dilated, 0% effaced. And this time you're like at a one or a two, two centimeters dilated and your cervix is soft and, and it's opening and it's coming forward. That's all really, really positive stuff that tells you, oh, well, baby's getting ready to come. And I, I hope you guys don't feel like I'm talking down to you, but when we talk about your cervix moving forward, you might talking be like, <laughs> I get it. You might be wondering like, what do they mean by that? Well, when, when your provider goes to do an exam, it's not like your cervix is just bloop, just right there straight shot up there yeah. sometimes. And you can almost feel them doing this. They're having to sort of reach back and in or right. whatever. And or they talk about having to walk it forward. Like I hear yeah. that a lot with midwives. I can't say I've I haven't been at too many exams with women, to be fair, um, with an OB. However, I have been with midwives or even anyways, and they're talking about having to walk your cervix forward. So yeah. that means it's a little farther back. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. So um, sometimes women just describe it as a feeling that something just feels a little different. It feels mm -hmm. maybe a little off. I don't know. Something just felt kind of, um, I felt a little strange and, and sort of, so they knew. Yeah. 
uh, feeling like you're sick or kind of have the flu and it's not like you're throwing up and like, you know, not you don't actually have the flu. Um, and now people are going to get on me because the flu is the headache and it's not really throwing. Anyways, it's part of it. Okay. You feel sick. You don't feel great. Um, but also along with that is like loose stools and diarrhea. Totally agreed. I baby's making room, right? Yeah. And I feel like your body sort of naturally, um, cleans itself out in preparation for what it knows is about (laughs) to come. No, it's not, it's not pleasant or fun or anything. I'm just thinking about the fact that we chose this episode and this conversation for our very first video with a new audio person. (laughs) And I apologize. (laughs) He's going to learn so, so much. (laughs) We just really went into this. But it's not abnormal to, and I guess I like to tell women, hey, if you were afraid of pooping when you're pushing and your body sort of clears itself out before right. labor, then hopefully that sort of eases your mind a bit. And what I always thought was interesting is that your your digestive processes, your bowel pro, those actually kind of slow down and almost stop when right. your body's in labor because that's where everything is focused. Yeah. Um, sleeplessness. We're mature. Okay. Sleeplessness is another one. If you're like, oh, I didn't sleep well that night or I can't like stop my mind from going. And uh, and some of that can be like, we're not talking about the anxiety and stuff that is also normal with pregnancy and birth, but kind of that, it just like you were saying, there's something off. I can't tell exactly what it is. Right. Like just those sleepless nights. Um, And along with that, and I can relate to this one, like lots of peeing with stomach tightening and particularly through the night, like you're having a sleepless night and you're like, gosh, I have been up like eight times tonight. I'm normally up three or four. This feels like a lot. Yeah. And then some women experience that sudden burst of energy, the nesting, that kind of irrational panic, like, but I've got to get the whole fridge and freezer cleaned out. Like I cannot (laughs) have, and maybe it's because you're worried about making sure that things are as easy and comfortable for you as possible when you return home with your little one. I know for me, I was like, I know my mom and in-laws are going to be coming to help with this baby and I can't have them seeing my fridge like this. It get it borders a little bit irrational, (laughs) but it's that feeling of, I need to get things in order. We see animals do this, right? They go and they prepare their little bed and they, they make themselves a little cozy spot. Women do the same thing. It just looks a little bit different. Yeah. My husband joked and maybe I shouldn't go there, but hit one of his sisters. He's like, she just had this spot on the couch and she just dug her way in. <laughs> that was her spot. And it, I won't get into the rest of that anyway. So yes. Wait, did she like, have little, the baby? No, on the she couch? didn't have the baby there. I just like, it was just like her like nest. Oh, I yeah. don't know. I just picture like a bird or a, an animal just like shoving her way in. <laughs> Okay, Steph, so what is the actual answer to the question then? Does a full moon cause more women to go into labor? So let's figure this out because we polled you guys. We said 81% of you guys said no. 19% said absolutely. That's exactly what happened. Um, I found this study that I thought was super interesting. So they did a study, 2001. There's an astronomer. His name is Daniel Katan, Katan, I'm going to pronounce it wrong, but he looked at 20 years worth of data from the National Center for Health Statistics, including almost 70 million United States births. That is a large sample size. A large sample size. And again, no correlation was found between the full moon and births. As soon as you put this up on Instagram, I actually, you can go online and Google and find out. We'll put a link. Yeah. On February 7th, 2008, you know, what was the moon doing? And out of my four children, only one of them was born on a full moon. I had one that was a new moon, two that were like waxing crescent or something like that. And I was like, oh, I I thought it would have been more than that, but it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. And I was the same. In fact, I had none that were born on a full moon. So we'll put a link for that. So you got, it's fun. You can just throw in the dates and and take a look for yourself. Oh man. We're laying this old wives tale to rest. (laughs) The midwives tale. (laughs) The old midwives tale. You know what's funny about that? Like, 
I okay, you know maybe how we feel midwives about too. midwives, and we love the heck out of them and doulas as well. And maybe for them and their practice, it holds true. Uh, but I would say like. It tends to be more of like a midwife's tale yeah. that like, oh, yeah, the moon brought all these babies and like babies also just come. But we're, we'll get into something really neat at the end of this, too. So why don't there was another um, the, another publication. Why don't you read? Yeah, I, I picked a quote. From it that. says, despite persistent reports of an association among the lunar cycle, gravitational pull and childbirth, careful statistical analyses have failed to identify an increase in the number of births. During a full moon, wah, wah. I know. It was, I was a little sad. It made me sad. <laughs> it also made me feel a little more normal, though, when I remember being aware, at least with, I think, my second and third of, like, this whole lunar. Yeah. And I was like, well, why aren't they coming? Like, there's the full moon. And That's there it true. went. You know what I mean? We're just helping you not get your hopes up so that if a family member, well-intentioned, comes to you and is like, oh, well, I know you're 40 weeks and there's a full moon on Thursday. Maybe you'll go into labor that yeah, yeah, let's make us the same. You cannot instead. get Don't be your, mad at us. <laughs> yeah. You can you can know not to get your hopes up with that. Okay, this was my most interesting. I told Courtney this is an entire different podcast episode, legitimately. Uh, so I decided I'm like, okay, maybe like the the lunar whatever the moon doesn't tell us. What about the time of of day that babies are born? This I feel like there's got to be there's got to be something to this. Okay, so CDC reports, which covers about 90% of birth certificate data from 2013, examine the timing of deliveries, comparing spontaneous labors, induced labors, cesarean sections, and out-of-hospital births. Okay, they began by tracking data uh, on the time of day for births in 2003. So what I thought was interesting is it says... Okay, we'll just go through them one by one. Okay. Do you want to? You why don't you do a couple, yeah. and I'll do a couple. So Tuesday was the most common birthday, followed by Monday. Births, go yeah. Ahead. No, go ahead. Births on Saturday and Sunday were more likely to occur in the late evening and early morning hours, um, more so than births Monday through Friday. Highest percentage of births were at eight a.m. and noon, and babies that were delivered out of the hospital mostly arrived in the early morning hours between 1 a.m. and 4.59 a.m., the quietest hours for in-hospital births, with ma- which make up 98% of all births in the U.S. Now, why is this such incredible data? I think it's incredible because it tells us the trends and the influence that induction and scheduled cesarean births can have on this kind of data, And a right? work week. Yeah, and yeah. their work week. So I think this has held true for Courtney and I um, as doulas and as birth support for women and certainly with our own spontaneous births. Babies do come in the middle of the night mm-hmm. a lot when they are allowed to, Yeah, when they're not on a schedule dictated by somebody else. I would say that of the spontaneous vaginal births that I attended as a doula, the overwhelming majority of them usually happen between about I want to say 2 a.m. and like 11 a.m. Right. in the morning. And it's not that labor doesn't begin earlier in the day. Oh, no, that you've got it does 12 begin. to 24 yeah. hours to go, whatever that looks like for you. But the actual birth times are the quietest. And we find the same thing with animals. They deliver in a quiet, dark place in the middle of the night because it's safe. And so I think that's super interesting, particularly when you're talking about birthing in a hospital on a provider schedule, maybe somebody who has to get back to the office or to their family or to enjoy a weekend with their family. And then two, being put in a situation where they come in there's bright lights there Mm -hmm. you know there's there's no moonlight there's no quiet there's even when you're in a hospital birth room for example 
you, even if you have all the lights off, you know, there's beeping, there's stuff maybe there's stuck to you or around you and yeah. there's lights. You can hear people walking by and shuffling and nurses talking and you're going to get bugged with a pressure cup. Like there, it's not the same as birthing at home. No. And we can kind of see, it's interesting because I remember Ina Mae Gaskin talking about how, you know, oxytocin isn't only produced for birth. This is, mm-hmm. this is a hormone that we experience often. And, um, when your baby was conceived, chances are <laughs> oxytocin was also flowing. And you have to think about that environment, right? You felt safe. It was peaceful. There was privacy. Maybe it was a little dark, a little dimmer. Right. Maybe it was kind of later in the evening. I don't know. Well, even the smells and what you're looking at, those things right. are comfortable and safe to you and normal and natural. And, um, it feels intimate and it feels safe. Right. Yeah. And we have to be able to allow those same feelings to happen in birth. And if we're, if you're not in an environment, if you're not birthing an environment like that, we're going to see that affect labor. And, and this is where I start to see some women maybe get stuck. Well, I don't know. Everything was going fine. And then right. we got to the hospital and things kind of slowed down. And I don't know why well, we hear it. We know about that for real. Like adrenaline is a real thing. So, and yeah. that's why we say for moms, especially who are like, I want to stay at home as long as possible. I don't want an epidural. I'd like to do this unmedicated and with the least amount of intervention. We tell you to stay home. That's part of it. Stay you home have, as long you as work you work into that really comfortable space of like tuning into your body and, and all of that. And that's why it's so important that your partner takes you from your safe, comfortable place and makes it safe and comfortable along the way. When you get there and along the way. That's where a doula comes in. That's where your partner comes in. That's where a really good labor assistant comes in and your birth team, which is why it's so important to set that up because it needs to be safe and a space for you to be vulnerable and open to those experiences. Exactly. So I think one of the things here that we want you to understand is that more than a full moon, more than what's going on with the lunar cycle, a provider is more likely to be your reason for going into labor, which is kind of sad. I Yeah. I, anyways. Um, so I, I think too, like the truth is that the full moon does not dictate when you'll have your baby, but yes, it's fun to wonder as it comes and goes and if it's going to be close or not. Now, this is a total tangent here. While we're talking about myths and legend, you guys know that Chinese baby gender chart? Yes. I swear by that thing. Do you really? We're going to have to research that now. But I was just thinking about charts and lunar things. And I was like, okay, maybe this one didn't work out. But that thing has been spot on for all my kids. And I did you follow it the whole time then? No, we didn't. I just Looking would back. like to know. Like, oh, yeah. so when I was 12 weeks and I didn't know the gender yet, I would go on there and I was like, it says we're going to have a boy. And sure enough, we had another How boy. crazy. So I would be curious to, we're going to have to put a poll up on Instagram and find out how often that was right for people out of my, um, my mother and father-in-law, they have, I forget how many grandchildren, there's eight kids in my husband's family. So it's a lot. I think it was only wrong for like two of them. It was crazy. Another episode, another time. (laughs) So with all of this stuff, uh, just know that it's a wonderful distraction. And of course we want you to tell us if your labor began on a full moon or if they were born on a full moon, if you're one of those 20% or so, let us know. We want to hear about it. And if you're one, if you're one that's like, I've had multiple babies, like every full moon. And I'd be curious to know, like we were kind of talking about this this morning as well, before we recorded, 
because I was saying, you know, we have so much artificial light. Like I know this is a big discussion, especially when we're talking about fertility and things and and cycles and whatever. What kind of light do you have in your oh, home? Yeah. Right. Like the things that we're smelling, the things that we have created um, out of convenience and for us today. Uh, maybe there's more of a correlation in ancient day or before all of these man-made things that we do now that that would have followed more of this earthly cycle. And so I, it makes me wonder that way too. Thoughts for another time. All right, mamas, we will be back with more tips and advice soon. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe so that you get notifications first about new episodes. And don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for more information on the birth course and to join our online community serving pregnant mamas just like you.